invite you. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 to 10. And the title that I've given the message this morning is Locating Jesus on this Easter Sunday. Um, it's a normal Tuesday morning, um, April the 11th, 2006 to be exact. Uh, my friend had gone to work doing what she normally did on a Tuesday after seeing her kids off to school. Um, she worked at the antique store that at the time was located on South Calhoun, just south of the Rialto Theater. Some of you guys might remember that little antique store that was there. And uh, her, her name is Annie. I think it's a counseling office at this point. But her, she and her husband, uh, Paul, are friends of ours that we've known for a number of years. And, and uh, one of a handful, small handful of worship leaders that um, I, I just have so loved and valued uh, our relationship with them, but also the way in which they lead worship. And if you're, if you're familiar with uh, worship songs that are familiar to you, that, they wouldn't be those types of folks. They often led worship, or she did, um, just out of what was going on in her heart, and oftentimes so raw it was hard to listen to. You know, she would just be bare and honest before the Lord. And during that time, uh, her, her youngest son, who had beaten leukemia as a child, was recently, uh, I say recently, within that year or so, found out that he had leukemia had returned, and to date it wasn't responding to any treatment. And they were going through all kinds of questions. She was in a dark valley. Um, you know, though I walk through the valley, the shadow of death, you, you are with me. Uh, I love the shift in that psalm at that point because, because it becomes very personal. And that's where she was, in this place of uncertainty, when she so much wanted to have certainty. And, that's, and so that's where she was on that date, April the 11th. And as she often would do, she would often bring just bring her guitar with her uh, to work. But on that day, she didn't because she would take it and just play and sing. And on that particular day, she hadn't. But she had a group of, of customers that came through the door. And older folks, uh, I hate to admit that. They were my age, okay? Anyway, oh, <laughs> thank you, older. And... Um, as, as she's watching them, and she's just noticing, she, the more curious she became, and she walked up to this lanky 60-year-old man that was in the store with his companions, and finally she just walked up and said, are you James Taylor? To which he looked at his companions and shook his head and looked away from her and said, uh, I get that a lot. And then they glanced at him, smiled. And she went back to, the, to, to her station, you know, waiting. And then they came up, and she's noticing now it's getting kind of obvious. They're making the purchases for him. And finally, she's, as she's talking to them, she looked at him. She said, you, you, it's you, isn't it? You're James Taylor, aren't you? And finally, he looked her in the eye and said, yes, it's, it's, it's me, six-time Grammy Award winner. No, he didn't say that out loud. Um, <laughs> And then she's like, really? You've got to be kidding me. You know, she lights up, comes around, said, can I give you a hug? She said, I, I learned to play guitar with your first album. 
uh, it was a real dark season in my life, and I just want you to know that singing some of those songs are so raw and honest. It just means so much to me. And so as she began to talk to him and, and share some of her story, uh, you know, he was moved with empathy. He looked at her and, and said, you know, well, is, is, are you coming to the concert tonight? And she, then she explained where they were and that even planning an event at that point didn't make sense. And he said, can you make it tonight? And she, uh, she said, well, yeah. He said, well, I'm going to give you two tickets in the artist circle, which meant she was sitting in the front row at the embassy that night. And so when he fumbled around at some point during the concert and said, I don't know what to sing next, she said, yelled out her favorite song. If I say it, it, it'll start going in your head, and I'm not going to do that right now. So here's my point. Of all the things, the places that she had imagined, she would encounter one of the best-selling artists of all time, her actual music hero, maybe at a concert. Maybe she could have purchased tickets and maybe been near the front row. Maybe, maybe at a folk music festival somewhere in a large city like Chicago. But of all the places she had imagined on that day, she never imagined she would meet James Taylor at work in the middle of her normal and at that time painful life. It's a little wonder the next time we saw her, she said, you're never going to imagine, believe who I met this week. You, you, you cannot believe. You'll never believe it. And that moment was such a gift of grace in the midst of her ongoing pain and her difficulty. She, and she received it as a gift from Jesus. Um, one, one of her friends said, hey, maybe you should go get your guitar and ask him to sign it at the concert. And she said, no, that, that's between me and Jesus that's my guitar for Jesus. James Taylor isn't going to mark on that, on that guitar. But it was a kiss to her heart to encounter grace where she hadn't, you know, where she wasn't expecting it. In Matthew 28, I, I want to I invite you to take a look at this story with me. In Matthew 28, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary are on their way to the tomb. And I'm going to pick up right here. Verse 1, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the grave, and behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone away and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who's been who has been crucified, for he is not here, for he is risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. Go quickly, tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you and into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to the disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren and leave for Galilee. And there they will see me. You know, in this story... 
This is the uh, this is the lectionary passage for this week. In this story, the the interesting part about this story is Mary um, and Mary Magdalene and Mary are going to the tomb, but they're going there not to meet Jesus, but to keep a vigil. They're, they never, in their best imagination, was to just try to remember him, to keep watch over the tomb. And that is where the story begins, and that's where the story is all about. He's not here. He's been raised, which is to imply where they located Jesus isn't where they found him. I love this statement from the theologian Alan Culpepper who says it this way, the stone was rolled away not so that Jesus could get out, but so that we could see in. Beloved, the good news that we're proclaiming this morning is that the tomb is an empty tomb, not something that necessarily we can locate today, even though we can and fairly accurately can. The point is, he is not there. Then where do we locate Jesus? Where Mary Magdalene, where Mary and the disciples encountered him in their lives, in our lives, right now, right here, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our uncertainty. It's here that he proclaims to us, do not be afraid. He is risen. Beloved, that is not so much about an empty tomb as it is about a resurrected Christ who meets us in our life. To the women, he said, go tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Let me give a paraphrase. Tell the disciples to go home. I'll meet them there. I was thinking about that phrase. Tell them to go home. Not to the temple. A rabbinic teacher seems like they would have said, go to church. That's our, how we were, right? Are you going there so you can meet Jesus? Jesus said, go home. Go to Jerusalem, the Jewish capital. Join that, that, that brigade of zealots to confront that political oppressor called Rome and make a stand and let them know what you stand for. No, Jesus said, go home. And I'll meet them there. Jesus is risen, beloved. And here's what I want to proclaim over us. We do not have to go on a pilgrimage, even though there's nothing wrong with a good pilgrimage. But he says, you don't have to go to another place, but home to your life, and I'll meet them there. Into your life that is filled with disappointment, into a world shaking right now, having conversations I never dreamed we would be having, fear. Did you notice that Mary... And Mary left with fear and joy, holding these kind of almost opposing feelings in their heart, and they encountered Jesus. Beloved, I want to say that to you this morning. It's okay. 
Jesus can meet us even there. The empty tomb proclaims that he'll meet us. This same Jesus invites us to encounter the risen Christ, and that, beloved, is good news. Where do we locate Jesus? He is risen. He's risen indeed. Here's a paraphrase. Now go home. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, uh, every Easter, they share the Easter Paschal homily that was written by St. John Chrysostom. And most estimated to have been written around 400 A.D., he's a church father, considered to be an excellent theologian, teacher, had a, what they called a golden mouth. I don't know what that means. I think what it means is that he was a good, a good teacher. But in Eastern tradition, it's repeated every Easter. It's almost as if to say it cannot be improved. And in this ancient sermon, it is, there's one topic. It is all about Jesus. After he died, he went to hell and completely disempowered it, leaving hell and its demons embittered. And that word is repeated several times, which means resentful. And, beloved, it gives a proper view of the cross and the resurrection. That was so much more than just paying for our sin, but plundering hell. So such is the reaction of one who's been deceived and tricked. See, this particular message speaks of Christ as the victor, as a, as a view of the atonement. Jesus comes to earth posing as a human, hence a sinner. But he dies and goes to hell as all humans and sinners must, and then he reveals his true identity. He's able to bring the full power of God to destroy hell's hold on creation, overcoming death by death, defeating sin by becoming sin. This sermon isn't just preached. It's participated in. So here's a few cues. Every time you hear the word embittered, the congregation repeats it, embittered. The same with the word risen. Every time the word dead or death is spoken, the congregation stomps their feet. There we go. We'll get better at this. Just like Jesus stomped on hell. And traditionally, this message is shared standing up. So if you're physically able, I'm going to invite you to stand with me. The first portion of this sermon is responsive. And so I'm going to give the opening phrase, and then there is a responsive phrase for this first opening paragraph. Okay, you ready? Here's where we begin. If any be a devout lover of God, the response, let him partake with gladness from this fair and radiant feast. If any be a faithful servant, let him enter rejoicing into the joy of his Lord. If any have wearied himself with fasting, let him now enjoy his reward. If any have labored from the first hour, let him receive today his rightful due. If any have come after the third, let him celebrate the feast with thankfulness. If any have come after the sixth, let him not be in doubt, for he will not suffer loss. If any have delayed until the ninth, let him not hesitate, but draw near. 
If any have arrived only at the 11th, let him not be afraid because he comes too late. For the master is generous and accepts the first even as the last. He gives rest to him who comes at the 11th hour just as to him who has labored from the first. He has mercy upon the first and cares for the first. I said I got wrong, sorry. To the one he gives, to the other he is gracious. He both honors the work and praises the intention. Enter all of you, therefore, into the joy of our Lord, and whether first or last, receive your reward. O rich and poor, one with another, dance for joy. O you ascetics, O you negligent, celebrate the day. You who have fasted, you have not fasted, rejoice together. The table is rich laden, feast royally all you. The calf is fatted. Let no one go away hungry. All right, here in just a few moments now, we're going to start participating together. Let all partake of the feast of faith. Let all receive the riches of his goodness. Let no one lament their poverty, for the universal kingdom has been revealed. Let no one mourn their transgressions, for the light of forgiveness has risen. <laughs> Let's try that again. For the light of forgiveness has risen. Risen from the tomb. Let no one fear death, for death of the Savior uh, has set us free. He has destroyed death by undergoing death. He has descended into Hades and took Hades captive. He has embittered he, it when he tasted its flesh, his, it, when it tasted his flesh. And anticipating this, Isaiah exclaimed, Hades was embittered when it encountered thee in the lower regions. It was embittered, for it was brought to nothing. It was embittered, for it was mocked. It was embittered, for it was overthrown. It was embittered, for it was despoiled. It was embittered, for it was put in chains. Hell has received a body and encountered God. It received earth and confronted heaven. It took what it saw, but crumbled before what it had not seen. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? Christ is risen. And you, oh, death, are annihilated. Christ is risen, and the demons have fallen. Christ is risen, and the angels rejoice. Christ is risen, and life begins. Christ is risen. And let not one dead remain in a tomb, for Christ is risen from the dead, has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. To him be glory and power now and forever, from all ages to all ages. Amen and amen. Beloved, the good news that we are proclaiming today is that we, do, we can indeed locate Jesus not at an empty tomb in Israel, but in our lives in the same place where Mary Magdalene and where Mary and where the disciples located him. He is not here. He has risen. Go home, and he will encounter you there. Amen? Beloved, so this is our confession. Now go home, and we will see Jesus.
Jesus' invitation to his disciples was come and see. And their confession, the first sermon from Mary, from the disciples, I have seen the Lord. Amen. So I'm going to invite us to this closing prayer together. Would you pray this prayer with me? God of new creation, from the womb of the earth you raise the life, Lord of life. May we receive the testimony of Mary Magdalene, who met you in a garden and reached for your embrace. May we see you where we least expect you and rejoice that love will never die through Jesus Christ, the resurrection and the life. Amen and amen.